0: follow along in your bibles so next week we'll begin our study of uh, first timothy so that we'll be doing that on uh, sunday nights for a season and then i may just go to genesis anyway so I I was going to do Genesis, then I repented and decided to do something else. But uh, at any rate, um, and I repented in the sense not of a good or bad thing; I just changed my mind. So um, tonight, I want to talk because of all that's been going on this week. I want to visit or visit, talk, preach, teach out of John chapter, or I mean, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter twenty-four. So you want to be turning there, Exodus chapter twenty-four, and I want to talk about the written word of uh, God. And uh, many years ago, I had a sermon series called the, the Word to the World, and I talked about how God inspires His Word, He preserves His Word, and then we transmit His Word as we get it uh, to where we need to go on time. And uh, in that series, I kind of set forth some really important principles about the Word of God. The problem is I lost all those messages because of a, of a Russian, uh, you know, one of those things, a, a virus that locks your folders down, and if you don't pay then you, you can't get your data. So I was like, I ain't paying. So I lost my data. But anyway, um, one of the things I lost was this m- message. So I wanted to just go back around on it. And just uh, because this is perfect for what we've been doing this week with the team, uh, I was kind of hoping the team from uh, Alabama would be here. But I think they're probably uh, trying to get rested up so they can leave. They just got back probably from the uh, the museum. They went down and saw the World War One museum. Uh, they may kind of straggle in, so I don't know. But uh, regardless. Regardless of whether they're here or not, it's this is a good topic in regard to the written word of God. And what we have with the written word of God, which for us is kind of a you know, we think about the Bible and we think about God's revelation to us and God's written words. And obviously they're important to us, but really as you, as we get involved with these Bible uh, translations, like the Chechewa, um, I've just, we were just up at Monmouth and there was a Bible translator there, Matt Woods, who I've known for several years. And, uh, and there's people that have never had the Bible in their language and how precious it is when you have God's word in your language. Now we, we are so certain of God's word. We have, you know, the perfect word in God's, in, in, uh, in our English language. And uh, it is the standard, frankly, even for those that are, <clears throat> because Greek and Hebrew are not common languages. So for many people today that are looking for a standard, the King James Bible is the standard. Period. Even if they don't speak English, by the way, I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know that actually until I started traveling the world and, and uh, getting involved in, in these matters. And uh, because the King James, the Bible, the King James Bible is something they can understand, they can read, and then they have a written record. So t- tonight, I want to talk to you about the written word of God, the revelation of God's written word, and how written words are important. And, you know, when I worked in the construction industry many, many moons ago now, 20 decades or two decades ago, 20 years ago, um, you know, things were such that you could no longer trust a handshake. You couldn't just say, Caleb, we're going to do this job for, you know, half a million dollars, you know, and you're, I'm good for it, you're good for it. So, you know, what we, you know, you have to do is you have to have a... A contract, right? You have to have a written record of what you agree to. This is the scope. This is what I'm agreeing to do. This is what you're agreeing to pay. And then you sign that thing and you make a covenant. You're making a deal, saying I will do this for this, and uh, and vice versa. And so I expect this for that. And so you have to obtain this contract, writing out the scope and everyone's intentions, and and this contract. Is signed by an officer of a company uh, and that you're doing business with and then uh, nothing gets delivered right no payroll gets started no you don't get materials moving on this thing until you have this contract uh, binding them to the job why well because um, it's a deal and it has weight and and it's written. Once we get the written contract, then all of a sudden, the money starts flowing, and all and you start getting things ready, and uh, and uh, you know materials can be ordered, labor can be uh, you know started to be expensed on things so that you can get this job started. So uh, that may not seem like it has a lot to do with the Word of God, but it really does because we have a written Word of God. And you see that, that we obviously, in the word of God, it's written, um, it's all written for us, right? And and much of it's written to us. So God, unlike humans, is good for his word. The reason that humans have to have contracts is because of, because of our adamic nature. God's good for his word. So the reason we have the word of God is not because God is not good for his word. It's because we're not good for our word. And so he writes his word down so we can remember what we're going to agree to, and you'll see that here in just a moment. Before I get to to our text in Exodus chapter 24, it's an incredible thing to think about uh, because God is so good. Uh, He's good for his word, even when we're not good for his word. And I want you to think about that because in John 21 verse 25, which you don't have to turn to, many of you know it, at the end of John chapter 21 in verse 25, when John wraps up the book of John, uh, down in verse 21 uh, he's he's talking uh, and Peter's contemplating um, you know what he's going to do in ministry John's wrapping it all up and he and he, and he lays out that Jesus <clears throat> Christ is God and he's presented Jesus, Jesus Christ as his deity and he says there's also many other things which Jesus did that which if they should be written every one I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written and so and then he says amen so be it now, that's amazing. So he wraps up his epistle, which proves that Jesus is God. And he says, now, what I've written, what is written, is everything you need to know. And There's so much that could be written that, that uh, you know, if we were to write everything down, we, couldn't even, we don't have enough paper. We don't have enough papyrus. We don't have anything. We don't have enough materials to write it all down in the world. Why? Well, and I think many of you know that. Why? Why? What do you think that is? I think you guys probably know. Why is there not enough things to write it down? Right. Because Jesus, that's his whole point of the epistle. Jesus is God, right? And so if you're listening to this on recording, uh, Caleb says, because Jesus has been doing things since before we even, you know, in eternity past, so how do you record eternity in in finite terms? And, And so you couldn't possibly... You couldn't do that, right? If we were to write everything that he did, so what we have is a record of his earthly ministry, uh, and then, of course, contained therein, we have much more, which I'll get into that tonight. But uh, we have what God wants us to have, and it's written, and it's contained in a written. Uh, volume, which is amazing and it 's kind of heavy to think about uh, when I do a funeral. I always mention that you know people 's memories are like that. you have certain memories, and you should cherish them because really the bible is god 's memories for us this is his this is the mind that he wants us to have, and we should cherish what he has given us in the written word uh, because it is it is everything we need to know about who he is and so um so we know all this about Jesus Christ um you know that he's he's he is eternal but yet um several thousand years of history transpired before there was a written record how did god communicate before there was a written record audible voice yeah audibly we, we know because of the written record, right, he shows up and talks to Adam. He says, hey, Adam, where are you at? Right? He literally is talking audibly, and uh, and he's given uh, men visions, and he's communicating with men before Adam, or before Moses ever wrote uh, the word of God. But I want you to go to Exodus chapter 24 tonight. We're going to look at Exodus chapter 24, uh, verses 3 through 8. And Moses, this is where Moses is called up into the mount, and, uh, and he's getting the, the word of God, and he's going to write it down. Uh, and it's, it's precious. This is not something that Israel, um, you know, has had before nor has the world had which is the written record of what god wants to have said and he's obviously with this he's a, he's it's exodus so he's establishing israel as a people those 12 tribes of those 12 sons become 12 tribes those 12 tribes will come out and be a nation fulfilling the promise to abraham so all of this goes together if you're going to have a have a country right a people a nation and you need a written government and that government's going to come through the words of god god's going to order that and so here comes the first salvo and let's just start in verse um we'll start in verse one and he said unto moses come up into the uh come up unto, uh, up unto the lord thou and aaron nadab and abihu and the 70 of the elders of israel and worship ye afar off and moses alone shall come near the lord but they shall not come nigh neither shall the people go up with him so there's a you know Moses goes up by himself, uh, the seventy or near, and it says in verse three, and Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord, and all the judgments, and all the and all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord hath said, we will do. And Moses, now here verse four is what I want to focus on, uh, and verse three I'll get to that in a moment. This is a verbal contract which is also binding, uh, and Moses wrote all the words of the Lord. And rose up early in the morning and built an altar under the hill and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel, which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it upon the basins and half of the blood and sprinkled it on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of all the, of the people. And, and they said, all that the Lord hath said, we will do. And be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. Let's pray and we'll ask God to show us some things about his revelation. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the written word of God. We're thankful for the spoken word of God the inspired and the preserved words of God. And Lord, we're thankful tonight for the words of God that have been assembled uh, by the team from Alabama and are being shipped uh, to Alabama and then eventually to uh, Zambia, Africa. And then uh, 500 will go to Brian Kaoma in uh, Malawi, Africa. And so, Father, we're, we're so thankful for the privilege of being able to participate in the distribution of the Word of God. Help us tonight to be encouraged in in this uh, text that we're going to be looking at in uh, the transmission, the revelation of your Word, the inspiration, and the application of the written words of God. We thank you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the revelation of God's written Word is... is uh, if you're taking notes, this is the first thing I want to share with you tonight. So we're going to talk about the revelation of God's written word. Now, um, now this is important to us because we notice in verse four it says that Moses wrote all the words of the Lord. Now this is the first time that we see Moses write. Uh, he is we've we've seen that God you know God writes with his finger, right? And then later on, Moses has to go rewrite it because he breaks the originals. And so right off the bat, if those that think that you have to have the original manuscript, you do not have the original manuscripts of the Ten Commandments because they got destroyed by Moses. So God said, I'm going to go up to the Mount, Moses. I'm going to give you the Ten Commandments. But then you see that Moses is writing it, which is another message unto itself. But for tonight, I just want to focus on the fact that, that Moses wrote right, all that the Lord wanted him to write. He's writing it down. and He rose up early in the morning. He built this altar. And, uh, and then he wrote all the things that he wrote. And he wrote it down. And the revelation of God is manifest uh, through the written word of God. And you see that that written word is then declared. And when he declares it, the children of Israel, uh, they hear that and they account that as the words of God. They even say in verse 7, all that the Lord hath said, we will do. Well, Moses, the Lord's not necessarily verbally saying it to them. Moses is. He's reading what God has given him and written it down, just like we do from the Word of God. He's reading the written record, and they hear the written record, and they go, that's what the Lord has said. We will do. They understand it, and they say, we're going to do what he says. And uh, and so for the first time, the words are being recorded, but it won't be the last. So all the way through the Bible, from here on, we will see that God is recording his words, and and, and, uh, and not every time he communicates is it through the written word but the word of God gets written down sometimes as we know it was on stone initially like the Ten Commandments of course uh, those were broken and then God uh, allowed Moses to to write uh, again on tablets but but all of the law uh, the first five books were also inscribed upon parchments and uh, you know on scrolls. And so God began to, to write the word. His revelation is now written in the Hebrew language that could be read. And this is why we credit the first five books of Moses uh, or the Pentateuch to Moses. The first five books of the Bible being uh, the Pentateuch, meaning Deuteronomy or Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. Now, most of us know that. So we understand that. It's a revelation that God gave, it's divine revelation uh, that God gave to Moses, and not not just to Moses, he gave it to the children of Israel, and not just to the children of Israel, he gave it to all of us. We really wouldn't know anything about history, because this is his story without that revelation that has been written down and given to us. And so it's, an, it's important that we have this record of human history. We really wouldn't know uh, really what was going on. We could speculate, but now we know because we have the written word of God. And how this all started, if we didn't know, is in Genesis, right, in the beginning. And we wouldn't know about a lot of that history if we didn't have those first five books. But what about uh, before Moses? Well, that's a good question, because Hebrews 1 tells us that God would use audible voice of a prophet in addition to the communication that he had with man, Uh, like when he was talking to Job, uh, where he just comes out of a whirlwind and he communicates with a man like Job, and boom, you know, he speaks, uh, just as he did to Moses on the Mount. He just spoke to them. It's very similar to how he addressed the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, as the Apostle Paul, as the Apostle Paul had an encounter with God. Now Hebrews one says that God in sundry times and diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. So prophets obviously would receive a word of God and speak it. God would use diverse manners uh, to speak, and he would use prophets. He would speak to men in different ways. And the Bible tells us, of course, The holy men of God spoke as God gave them utterance, right? He gave them his word. And that, of course, has been preserved for us in writing. So... Uh, So as holy men of God spoke, it is written down. Now as Jeremiah spoke, we see a picture of that in the Old Testament. Jeremiah 36, Baruch wrote the words down and it became scripture. So God is all over the process, both the spoken word and the written word. And the written word becomes not just some information that God gives us. It's it's, uh, not just something that Moses kind of thought, maybe this is what God said and scratched it down on a napkin. Uh, It becomes a covenant. In our text in in Exodus 24, we see that. It's a covenant that God takes very seriously. It's a covenant that is right here in the text as we read it. It is sanctified with blood, and it's a covenant that Israel says, we're going to keep. Now, if they were very smart, maybe they hadn't read Genesis yet because Moses hadn't written it, but if they they understood anything about Adam and Eve, who couldn't keep one commandment, I don't know why they thought they could keep 600, but they said, you know what, Moses, whatever the Lord says, we're going to do it. We're going to keep your words, and so um, and so they they uh, obviously would would fail at that. Now this covenant was for the twelve tribes, as we see. There's twelve pillars, and the blood was sprinkled upon them, and they would uh, and they would eventually, of course, go back on their word. Um, and so they which teaches us they're no better than us, and they were no better than Adam. Um, but they wanted to keep God's word, and they said we're going to do that. So they made a deal with God. They don't keep their word, but God keeps His because God is good. And so, uh, you know, it isn't very long, right, before Moses comes down from the mountain with the written law and stone... But they're already having a party saying he's been gone too long. So it doesn't take him long to depart from the word of God. Now the covenant was sanctified with blood in verse 7. And he took the book. And notice it says the book. And I I like that because obviously there's a tables of stones uh, that go into the... And eventually even the second copy goes into the Ark of the Covenant. But at the end of the day, he also here, it it says the book very clearly. And he took the book of the covenant. So God's been dealing with a book. Uh, a book and I love the way the Holy Ghost has preserved that for us I like that we always think that, that it's a scroll but he says the book he took the book of the covenant and read in the in the uh, read read out of it to the audience of the people and they said all that the Lord has said we will do we will be obedient and uh you know what that should always be our heart when we hear God's word we should always have a heart to obey it. I don't want to be uh, mean to them. I think that, I, I'm think i glad that was the heart that they had. It's just a shame it was so. they were so quick to turn on God. And Moses took the blood and he sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning these words. The blood was sprinkled. Now, that wasn't lost on the writer of Hebrews, because in Hebrews 9 and verse 17, the Bible says, For a testament is a force after men are, are dead, otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Whereupon neither The first testament, meaning the Old Testament, was dedicated without blood. So when Moses had spoken every precept to the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled it uh, both on the book and the people, saying, This blood is the testament which God hath enjoined to you. And you see, there was a sacrifice. Something had to die before this covenant was in force. It's sort of like uh, our will and testament. If you have a will and a testament for your family, it is not until you're di- you die that it is in force. So God had spoken these words, and then something died, and there was a blood covenant, putting this agreement in force. As I started off, this ties us back into my introductory comment about the covenant, and the contract. Right? It's a, it's an agreement. My, I am good for my word, and something died now, so this covenant is in force, and the and the word of God was in force. There is power in the words of God. They are bi- it is a binding, and boy, thank God for that. That God doesn't go back on His word. I sat with a young man tonight today after church and he's going to get baptized. You know what we did? We went back over the contract and I just walked him through what he already believed. And we went through Romans 3.23, we went through Romans 6.23, we went through Romans 5.8 and Romans 5.12, we went through Ephesians eight and 9, right? We went through Romans 10 and, we're, and what we did? Well, we're going back over the contract and I'm reminding him that this is sealed in the blood of Christ. God is good for His Word. And so, what is the deal? You know what? When you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God is raising from the dead, God has accepted your contract. He is, he, you are now sealed. Your soul is sealed to the day of redemption. So now he's going to get baptized next month. Isn't that cool? So, so how's he doing that? Because he believes God's word is binding. On his soul, and uh, and he by faith believes that God has received his word as binding when he confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior, which is eight months ago. So hallelujah to that! And so it's a contract, and it's a covenant. Of course, the Lamb of God is the one who seals that contract uh, in His own blood. All right, so you so we write up a will and testament, and then when we die, it's in force, and then uh, the terms of that that are set forth, and uh, and all the things of that that covenant end up becoming uh, you know legally binding to those. Who receive it? So this is a blood covenant. And of course, we know that this is, is, is our blood covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ is good because he's the Lamb of God. And ultimately, uh, it's going to be that uh, that blood uh, covenant of the New Testament that has sealed us and uh, the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ and the bond of his word uh, is gold. And we, we uh, could imagine that all those sacrifices in the Old Testament were simply a shadow, right? A type of the Lamb of God and His sacrifice that takes away the sin of the world. So it was, it was there the whole time. The whole time God had it in the word of God that this blood covenant was going to be had. So we look at it now and we see it clearly. Why? Well, because we have the New Testament. We have the written word of God. Again, God has given us his word because we have the New Testament. We now understand what all those shadows and types were in the Old Testament and how binding they are and how Jesus is better. That's what Hebrews is all about. He's a better sacrifice. So later on in Exodus, a few chapters over, Israel would break their covenant. Moses would break the tablets, right? And But God would never break his word. And even when uh, uh, we we use that saying today, right? Um, the, that uh, I want that written in stone. Right? Written in stone. We still use that. Why? Because we recognize that having it written in stone is permanent. And so God writes his words in stone because God doesn't go back on his words. He brought those ten commandments down and those were his commandments and, and he was good for them. Even when the man did not keep them. So God's good for everything he says. We're the ones that aren't. God's word is written in stone. And by the way, uh, he's able to refashion it and preserve it again and again and again. So the written word of God, the revelation of the written uh, word of God, we have in our very hands tonight. So why did we need that? Well, why couldn't God just talk to us through the clouds or speak to us through the wind and the trees? Um, by the way, he could if, he, if if we wanted if he wanted to. He could do whatever he wants. Uh, but eventually the rocks are going to cry out is what the Bible teaches us so he can do what he wants but God God has chosen the written word of God he has chosen to communicate to us in writing and this is the one who fulfilled every command and so the, the things that we could never fulfill he has already fulfilled it and he gave us the New Testament in his blood because when we take the whole Bible and you look at it in its perfection, it is absolutely perfect. And so there's only one man who can fulfill it, and that is, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is His Word. So I just want you to think about all of that, kind of as an introductory comment uh, to what I'm talking about on this subject. And as we go further, let's think about the written Word of God as it reveals God's only begotten Son. Uh, In the book of of Luke, uh, look back in Luke chapter 24. You can keep a finger in Exodus. But Luke uh, chapter 24 uh, look down in verse twenty five luke twenty four twenty five it says then he saith unto them, O fools and slow of heart uh, to believe all that the prophets have spoken ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory and so uh, verse twenty seven says uh, and the beginning at Mo- and beginning at Moses and all the prophets he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself and they drew nigh unto the village whither they went and he made as though he would have gone further all right so jesus has appeared to his two disciples and they're not fully grasping everything that he's saying so what he does is he begins very it's very clear he, he begins with the written word of god Now, this is the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. He could could do all kinds of things to communicate. But what does he do? He says, let me go back to the, the prophets. Let me go back to all the prophecies. Let me go back to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Let me go back to the beginning of the record that you already have. Let me go back to the law, and I will expound to you everything that has happened. Why? Because he is the fulfillment. He has kept his word. He is good for his word. The Bible has weight. God didn't just... He's not just wasting his time with his... His words his words are important to him he is the one who has kept the word of god even when we haven't so the written word of god reveals the son of god and we can't take that lightly And we can't get past the third chapter of genesis before we see the very clear prophecy concerning jesus christ now you <clears throat> some might not pick up on it immediately but that's uh, that's something that we often quote right in a, in a genesis three fifteen that all of a sudden there's this prophecy about the messiah coming forth from the seed of a woman he's going to bruise satan's head and it's going to or bruise his heel and crush satan's head and he's he's a, there's a prophecy there of the messiah and where the bible uh, uh, and so where the bible says he's going to put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed it shall bruise thy head and thou shall bruise his heel we understand that this prophecy is of the lord jesus christ and his coming to deal with satan but we don't leave the third chapter before we see a pattern of what we also call substitutionary atonement And we, and we can't get past that either because Adam is hiding in the fig leaves and, and before uh, he's able to restore fellowship, something innocent dies and it covers his nakedness and now he's restored. So we have these, we have these pictures in the Old Testament. It's already, we're in Genesis 3.21 and God is doing all of this. And he's got it all worked out so that we can see what he's going to do uh, and how he's going to restore his relationship with his wife. And so in Genesis 3.21, he says unto Adam and also his wife that, to, to, that they need these coats of skins to cover their nakedness. So God's method to try to cover the sin uh, <clears throat> is to sacrifice something innocent, an animal, and slay it and cover the sin of Adam and Eve. So most of us understand that. We're familiar with that. And when you contrast that, with Genesis 3-7, uh, you see man's method to hide behind his human effort and work, right? So we also see uh, the proclivity of man to try to justify himself, right? The last thing Adam wanted to do was say, oh man, I made a mistake, Lord, forgive me, right? Now he runs and hides and immediately starts to try to cover up with his own self, Righteousness, right? He starts to hide behind the fig leaves and, and does his own uh, works, which is basically there's only two there's only two religions, and one's right and one's wrong. There's only two ways, one's right and one's wrong. However you want to define it, one is grace, which is the God's method, and the other is works, right? And that you really boils down to that. Salvation comes by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The rest is works, and so um, and so we understand that. All right, so Adam and Eve find themselves in sin. The Bible says that the, that their eyes were open. And uh, both of them, and they knew they were naked, so they sewed those fig leaves together. They made themselves aprons, and then you see the contrast right off the bat. And so, um, so it's the Word of God that reveals that to us. I can study it now, and I can see it as clear or clearer than the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that crazy? So after, these people who had spent time with Jesus, who had Jesus Christ manifest in the flesh, were oblivious to this. But we who have the written word of God today, we can read the New Testament, we can look at what is written in the Gospels, we can look at Genesis, and we see this today and it's clear as the bell. How did they miss it? How did they miss that Jesus was the Lamb of God that takes away? How did they not know that John the Baptist wasn't talking about Jesus? How did they miss all that? Well, because you know what? They didn't have the written word of God like we do. The written word of God is so important. And so, um, and so it's, it's so important to our understanding of who Jesus Christ is. And so it would be really cool to say, man, I've hung out with Jesus. But in reality, when you hang out with the Scriptures, you are hanging out with Jesus. So from the Scriptures, going back to Moses, the first five books of the Bible, all the way through the Prophets... Um, let's bring us let's bring ourselves up to speed so because the written word of god the written word of god reveals to us who jesus christ is and so we have to understand that it is the word of god that we must consult and not what we see on television or not what someone else says but it is the word of god so you need to look at the word of god and god continues to re- reveal truth through the entire bible so cain uh, would not offer the sacrifice that abel uh, was going to provide from his herd so of course he murders abel and you know the, how that goes he wanted to offer the fruit of his own labor. Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. To picture for us the rapture of the church before the coming of the wrath of God. The judgment of the second coming was preached by John the Baptist, and he talks about fire. Why it pictures the first flood, Noah's flood, and John the Baptist was laying all of that groundwork because the next time it's going to be with fire. And talks about the Holy Ghost and the fire that will be coming to baptize the world. So going back to the beginning, we see Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord long before the law and and his house were spared the wrath of God and the flood picturing for us Israel and the Gentile nations surviving through the coming tribulation period. Uh, Isaac's birth was a miracle as a, from a, as a child from a dead womb foreshadowing the miracle of jesus's incarnation uh, into adam's dead uh, uh, dead spiritual race and we see the priesthood of melchizedek how it parallels christ in Hebrews 7 abraham was justified by faith without the works of the law and he sets forth a pattern uh, paul calls for in, in rome to teach us what it means to be saved by faith in the finished work of christ isaac foreshadowed the lord jesus christ as he's willing uh, to obey his, his aged father and go up on the mount and say dad where a lamb and he says he'll provide himself a lamb right and so that picture's there and he carries his own lumber to the altar a picture of jesus christ taking the cross there all of those things are pictures we've seen from the word of god things that we come to understand and identify with christ his sacrifice his love for us and so you guys know those stories so jesus is laying those things out and he's telling us to listen listen to the scripture. And he goes back and he says, listen to these pictures. Look at all of these things that I've done. Look at who I am. And all of those pictures represent the Lord Jesus Christ. These types of Jacob to Joseph, to Moses, to the law of Moses, revealing the tabernacle as he did in Hebrews, and tells us that it's a shadow of the altar and the very throne of God. The sacrificial system giving us, again, an incredible insight into our justification and God's mediation for mankind as a propitiation and advocate for our sins. So, all of this is in the written word of God. Jesus got in the way of His own wrath so that we can be saved. He's He's our advocate. He's before the throne of God, or before the throne, I should say, saying, uh, uh, saying, I've already covered it. Uh, you guys are, and we are those folks down there at Heartland that are born again. They're already covered. All that stuff in the Old Testament is all laid out, and I've all set it forth. I've set it forth in God's Word. God's got it, and He's got it all taken care of. So Jesus was preaching to His disciples, setting forth the Messiah highway, and it takes us from Adam's fallen race and a prophecy to save. <clears throat> Um, uh, and a prophecy to save that we that we've already looked at in Genesis three, uh, to the demise and the sea, uh, the seed that comes forth from the woman, to the uh, all the way down through Jesus Christ and the redemption of man through Seth. Through Shem, through Abraham, through Judah, through David's kingly line, all the way down to Joseph and Mary, and of course Jesus. We're getting ready for, uh, you know, the uh, um, Christmas season, right? We'll be celebrating the birth of Christ in Bethlehem, found in Micah five two. It's all recorded there. All those things are in the Word of God. Jesus arrived right on time, according to Daniel's prophecies, and that's why the wise men were looking for him. So we don't have time to go into all those prophecies and prophets tonight. But you can understand that when we look at the Bible, we look at the Old Testament alone, it's incredible, but it's the New Testament that gives us light on the Old Testament. So um, so it's amazing to consider all that Jesus Christ is revealed in this book from cover to cover. And and he reveals all of that so we can understand who he is as the Son of God. And all this started with the Law of Moses. started with the Law of Moses. The Bible was then penned by more than 40 authors over the space of 1,600 years. And it comes together in a common theme because God's sovereign hand was upon the inspiration and the preservation and the inscripturation Of God's holy word, so it's incredible that the word of God reveals the Son of God, and the written word of God reveals God's plan of redemption. From the opening chapters of Genesis to the death of innocent Abel, through the blood sacrifices in the Old Testament sacrificial system, the plan of redemption and the redemption of mankind, the sacrifice of Christ unfolds, and God will not only redeem mankind as the Scripture sets forth, but He will redeem creation from Adam's sin. And, uh, and the wreck that was caused by his fall. So, in Romans 8.20, the Bible says this, For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. So Romans 8.21 says, Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Paul says there, you know, you know this. You know that you are special because you're born again. We know that the creation responds to you. And they're looking forward to your redemption. And we understand that now, because of the written word of God, that the environmentalists and the conservationists alike can hold hands and sing kumbaya together. Why? Because the Son of God is coming back. And He's going to take care of, of of not only redeeming sinful man, but He's going to redeem the earth. He's going to redeem the universe. And we know that because we have a written record of God's Word. Hallelujah to you. That is incredible. And so, not only does God plan to restore the earth to its original glory, but He has the fulfillment of Revelation 21 and 22. God will indeed renovate the entire universe and create a new heaven and a new earth, and we'll be talking uh, about that um, for eternity and we'll be glorifying that so god has a plan for the universe he has a plan for this earth he has a plan for our lives and it's all written in the pages of god's word and without the written word of god we would be at a loss for god's redemptive plan for our life for god's redemptive plan for this earth and god's redemptive plan for the universe we wouldn't understand any of those things without the written word of god and you know what there's folks in Malawi fixing to get a hold of those things because God is providing them a written word of God in their own heart language. It's an amazing thing that God is doing, and you guys are a part of that. So why do we need to assemble Bibles? Because I've, I've talked a lot about the written word of God. So why should we assemble Bibles? And the simple answer is because it's God's plan for the universe, right? It's God's plan for this earth, and, and uh, he has laid all that out in, the, in this Bible, in the Bibles that we assemble. Um, you, have a, you have Bibles available on your phone, on, on a tablet, uh, laying on your coffee table, laying underneath the pew seats. I and mean, we've got Bibles everywhere. But the people that we assemble Bibles for oftentimes don't have a Bible. Uh, it's certainly uh, not a Bible that's even in their heart language. It's in some other language that they've had to learn. So there are people, even the, the, as we sit here tonight, that don't even have a Bible uh, that they can read in their language. And you don't have to leave Cass County uh, to find people who have never actually heard the Word of God and put the story of God's plan for the, their life, this earth and the universe, together. We could walk. We could walk out the door tonight. We could go up to Sapp Brothers and start finding people right now that need to understand that story. And so, and so, God wants us to put the Word of God together so we can get the Word of God where it needs to go on time so we can get people saved. People can be trained as disciples. People can go out as preachers and missionaries. And, uh, of course, we know the gates of hell will not prevail against the work of God's people because Jesus is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. All right, so i got to keep moving for time's sake here. Um, wow, I've gone a long time already. I'm going to stop there. So let me just wrap this one point up, and I'll, I'm going to summarize all this. So bottom line is our best life isn't now. It's in eternity, and a lot of people don't know that. So we got to get the Word of God to them. There's all kinds of things I want to say, but at the end of the day, there's there's substitutes, right? There's the Book of Mormon, there's the Jehovah's Witness Bible, there's all kinds of other options. And guys, one of the things the devil's done to try to confuse it is try to corrupt the Word of God. We've got the pure Word of God, the written Word of God, His revelation, and we can be confident in it. He's given it to us so that we can give it to others. So that was the first point. It's just we have the written revelation of God's Word, and that's a big deal, the revelation of God's written Word. The revelation of God's written word. The second point, I'm just going to touch on it and we'll keep moving and wrap it up for tonight for time's sake, is illumination. It's not enough just to have it. It has to be illuminated. In Deuteronomy 17, 18, the Bible says, And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom, this is referring to the kings of Israel, that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priests and the Levites, and it shall be with him, and he shall read it therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep the words of this law and these statu- statutes to do them, that his, heart may, uh, that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, and that he turn not aside. And so here we see that a king of Israel, this is Deuteronomy 17, 18 through 20, is to have a written copy of the word of God. He is to write it out. I was just on the postscript yesterday, and they asked me a question about studying the Bible. I said, you know, I'd recommend everybody writes it out. Take notes. Why? Because there's something about writing the Word of God, Deuteronomy 17, 18 through 20, that helps you remember it to keep it, right? It's not enough just to have it, right? On the back, you know, everybody leaves it in the back of their car. It's 300 degrees in your car, you know, and should lock the doors in the parking lot and let that thing burn up on the dash. No, keep it, Right? Hold on to it, study it, and uh, write it out. The kings were to write it out so they had their own personal copy of the Word of God. Now, there's a lot of things that come with that, right? Illumination. When I talk about illumination, it's like saying, this book is for you, right? So even the marketers know that. The, the chiefs will be playing here in a half hour or so. They're going to sell stuff. say, This bud's for you, right? Right? They don't want you just to know about Budweiser. They want you to go buy it and ingest it, right? They want it to affect you personally, right? Well, that's the way the Word of God is. This book is for you. It's to be taken personal. It's to be taken in. It's to be meditated upon. It is to affect you personally and the opposite of budweiser right and so it's the opposite instead of being filled with that spirit god wants you to be filled with this spirit that king sits on that throne he's got authority with god he's supposed to be submitted to the covenant the contract of god god's given him all the stipulations but he says you know what you need to write this out pal because you're going to forget it because you're human and guys we're all human and so illumination is, is something that we have to, to work on. It's a decision that we make uh, to take the Bible personally and to, uh, to really make it personal. You can write it out. Psalms 12.7 says, Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. See, God has no problem keeping His word and preserving it. We're the ones that have a problem keeping His word and preserving it. God has preserved His word. So what do we do? We emulate Him. We say, like, You know what? I'm going to preserve His word. And so I personally work on writing out the, the Bible. I write out every book I preach. And I, and I also, when I do notes, I write out scripture or type out scripture, depending on what I'm doing. But remain humble, right? That's the deal. Remain humble and keep the commandments. That's what God wants from us because he's going to keep his words. He's going to preserve, preserve them from this generation forever. He says in Psalms chapter 12, and verse 7, he says in Deuteronomy 6, 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Uh, and the, these words which I command thee this day shall... Be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign uh, upon thine hand, and thou shalt be as frontless uh, between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thine house and thy gates. So the reality is the words of God should be in our hearts, written on the tables of our hearts, and we should be reciting it to our children. That's the bottom line. The Word of God ought to be coming out of our life, and that will give us the ability to rule the home. And so we are illuminated by the Word of God. Paul said to the Corinthians, Ye are epistles written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye have manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered to by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but the fleshy tables of the heart. So we need to make sure that Word is written. In our heart, the last thing you see in Deuteronomy uh, chapter six and verse nine uh, is, he says, "Thou shalt write them upon the posts of thine house and upon thy gates." Writing the word of God was important Uh, in the Old Testament. It's important in the New Testament. I encourage you to write it, and and do that in a devotional way. And then the last thing, I'm not going to Terry, is a verse you already know. And that is um, that is transformation, right? So there's uh, the, the revelation that comes through the word of God, but then there's this illumination. It lights things up. It helps us have wisdom, and then ultimately there should be a transformation as well. Romans twelve two tells us, and you guys know Romans twelve uh, that that uh, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sac- present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not transformed to this or be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And so uh, there should be a. Trans- Transformation happening in our lives and there should be fruit from that the fruit of the spirit i alluded to that this morning love joy peace right the fruit of the spirit should be what is is a, is evident in our lives as we are being transformed so it comes with the revelation the revelation is found in the word of god even the book of revelation is the revelation of jesus christ given to john to be given to the church we have the revelation of jesus christ in his words we have the the revelation of Jesus Christ um, that is in our hands, and that illuminates our understanding, so we can be transformed and transform others. Most importantly, all right, that's my message. I got through it, so now I can move on to Timothy. If this was a normal week, I'd just stop there and do three three messages on that, but we're not doing that this week. All right, so let me. Uh, are there any questions on that? Oh, well, I just want to say that one of the in my, in my church in Guatemala, he wrote the Bible in, of course, it was in Spanish. But he wrote it every year. Mm. The whole Bible? That's a lot. Wow. The whole Bible in a year. That's amazing. Praise the Lord. I'm gonna. You want to hand these out for me, bro? That'll be good. I'm doing two each, I think. That'll get it done. So these are the prayer pieces. If you haven't prayed here uh, on a Sunday night, this is our prayer list. It isn't always updated as much as our Wednesday night list. So if you see something off, uh, feel free to get a hold of... Uh, Brianna or Luke and say, hey, that needs to be updated. Because sometimes it's not as updated as the Wednesday night list, so it's kind so you know, of... Mm-hmm. I actually expected him to be here, so I don't know what happened. I mean, last thing I said was stay at church, yeah, so and Julie was going to be here and, and uh, I don't know what happened, so... Yeah, it's almost seven, so I don't think they're going to make it. I thought maybe they were going to come in a little late. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. You want to swing by and give him a hug? Alright, so uh there's a lot there's a lot to pray about. Be again we need to be in prayer for uh oh I haven't. Dottie Bartlett. <clears throat> We're not Dottie Bartlett, Dottie uh